Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Joke and Broke. <laughs> I can edit that out. The Broken <laughs> Joke. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Broken Joker. I am Jason Powell. Today, I am here with Sean Hutcherson, who is actually the coach of my son's baseball team and a lot of other things, including the ultra marathoner, which I cannot empathize with at all because <laughs> no one ever chases me that far. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. I'm glad, glad to be here. here. Yeah. I'm so excited. You know, it's funny. Um, I've, I've obviously coached for years and I hope you don't get embarrassed by compliments too easy because I was so jazzed like the first game. I didn't get to go to a lot of the games of my son's baseball team, but you can tell when you've been around coaching your whole life, which I've been an athlete and I've been a coach on both sides of it. And I've been a pretty high level coach. The first time I saw you coach, I was like, we are so lucky. And I know people are going to be there and they're going to be like, it's little league, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> coaching is coaching on any level. And I'm here to tell you right now, you could coach at any level you wanted to. That's nice of you to say. Because thank you. You're, first off, it's positivity. But it's also the ability to communicate and get your point across. Because I've coached with national champions. I've coached with, I've coached with, we went to Bella Caroli's one time and he has a wall of fame. Mm -hmm. And I coached with a girl that actually pointed to every girl on the wall. And she had beaten every single one of those mm -hmm. girls in international competition. And could not coach her way out of a paper bag. Could not tell you how to get yeah. out of a wet paper bag. Huh. She couldn't do it. Because it was so easy for her. Right. And I'm not saying sports were hard for you because you're an athlete also. But you have that uncommon gift, which is to relate while still making it fun. And I'm just, I'm really glad we have you as a coach. Thanks for saying that. I know. I appreciate Everybody's going to be like, oh, he's fanboying out over a Little <laughs> League coach. But I also fanboy out because you're also a serious long distance runner, right? I am now. Yeah. Surprisingly <laughs> enough. <laughs> and we talked about it. And you, you talked about how you didn't even like running. Yeah. How, how, did, how did this come about? Yeah, it's crazy. So I don't like running still that much, to be honest with you. Um, I'm still trying to find the runner's high people talk about all the time. But no, in, ser in all seriousness, um, growing up playing basketball and baseball, running was punishment, right? Oh, got, absolutely. If you got in trouble, your coach said, just run till I'm tired of watching you run, that <laughs> kind of thing. So anytime I would have to battle my mental kind of negativity when I started running mm -hmm. to get into it. And really what got me into it is Leslie, my wife, started running when we lived in Memphis. And then I kind of picked it up from her. And when we moved to Dallas, I was looking for a challenge and you didn't, didn't know anybody here and started running. I ran my first marathon five years ago and wow. really didn't have a good experience at all. Like the, tra <laughs> the training was hard, as you can imagine. The race kind of fell apart. Like it wasn't fun. So I told everybody, hey, check that box. It'll be my last one I ever run. Right, Forget about right. it. And people are like, no, you'll come back. I was like, no, I don't think you understand. It was miserable. I'm not doing it anymore. What you had to realize was you just had to run farther. Right. This, yeah, just, <laughs> a marathon? What's that about? Right? <laughs> set, your, set your goals higher. Set yeah. your goals higher. <laughs> no, but then, I mean, what I'm on now, the journey I'm on, which I know we'll talk about later on, it all began almost exactly two years ago in 2018. And my buddy and I, who works for World Vision, um, mm -hmm. Josh Fly, went on a guy's trip and we were just at a football game and he was telling me about this journey he had just embarked on. Right. And his challenge to me was, you know, what's, what big adventure are you on right now? What big journey are you on? And then two weeks later in church sitting there and 
our church is going through this transform your world mission um, is what we we're calling it and how are okay. we what are we doing to transform our worlds right and it hit me right, right then and there I said well that's what you're gonna do you're gonna wow. go and you're gonna run an ultra marathon on behalf of team world vision and you're gonna have an impact in the world places where you never have been maybe never will go and people you'll never meet all just by you running right and you can move your feet so why not you know and yeah that's what that's what began and since then i've run three additional marathons and that's six crazy. half marathons and that's just awesome. been building since so what about how and this is one of the reasons i wanted to have you on how has that changed you mentally it's, it's crazy so i'm i'm so thankful for the journey that i'm on because i think one of the rubs i had with long distance running was it always felt like it was about me like yeah um what, what's what's my next PR? Like, how did my run go today? You know, right. and it's a very individual sport. And there are a lot of sports that are really individual. But once I started running for a bigger purpose, mm-hmm. I had an inspiration and an endurance like I didn't have when I trained the first time. I think at the end of my first marathon, it all felt very hollow because it was like, okay, well, you spent a whole lot of time alone right. to run this punishing race. And sure, it was an accomplishment. I was proud, right? But it didn't feel like I was part of anything bigger. And growing up playing baseball and basketball, it was always a team sport, right? So right. the lessons that you learn through athletics, there are many. And I think two of the most important are how do you become selfless, right? So how mm-hmm. do you sacrifice your status or sacrifice your promotion or whatever it may be for the sake of something better? Right. And also then um, how do you become a good teammate, right? So how do you learn how to work with other people? How do you learn how to communicate with other people? How do you learn how to to defer to other people or to be a leader in certain situations based on what the circumstances dictate? So uh, I was missing that team aspect. And Mm -hmm. since I've begun training for this with a bigger cause, um, I found it to be like a deeper pool, a deeper reservoir of like endurance to draw upon. Because I know that I'm not doing it just for whatever my watch says at the end of my run, right? Right. Or whatever, whatever medal you have that's because the race you're in or whatever that's about. It's it's more about what's going on and how I'm able to bring awareness to a big cause. That's right. that changes the world. You know their mission is is clean water for people all over the world. So they service these underprivileged villages by drilling wells and then teaching the villagers how to sustain the wells and provide them with educational and healthcare needs as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a big mission. Um, so that alone, that motivation has been very helpful. But one thing about distance running is you do spend a lot of time alone. So you right. spend a lot of time in your own head. And I don't have a coach, right? I mean, I have a plan and I have someone who helped me put together a training plan that will help me get healthy and strong and accomplish my goals. But there's no one there at 430 when my alarm goes right. off saying, hey, let's go. Five minutes, yeah. you're running. Yeah. So it's taught me a lot about discipline. It's reinforced that discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's reinforced a... Uh, positive conversation, a positive mindset. Because right. if you ask me, like, what do I believe? Well, I, I believe that we can control two things every day. And you've probably heard me say this to the, to the team because I preach it to them too, the, the baseball team, our attitude and our effort. Right. right. So you, you can always look through at the world through a certain lens. Right. Because your day is not as bad as someone else's day for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And likely you've been through tougher times and you're going through in that moment. So right. By looking at what I'm going to learn from this and get better as a result is a great way to have an attitude. I think you can control that, right? And right. also your effort. I mean, you can try hard. Doesn't mean you're going to win every time. Right. Doesn't mean you're going to be the best all the time. Likely, there's someone who can do anything better than you. Likely. <laughs> Likely, there are very few people who can say I'm the very best in the world at that. Right. 
Right. Um, so for the rest of us, right, or for me at least, not speaking for everybody in the room, but for me, uh, I know that I, if I put my best in, mm-hmm. that's the best I can do that day right? and get it better. But I also know there's some accountability that comes along with that because there's my own scoreboard that I can look myself right. in the mirror and say, did I do my best, right? So without a coach, those two components are really important. Attitude and effort and the discipline that drives those two has been something that I've been learning along the way. I'm not going to cut it off a mile short. Right. I'm not going to, um, if I have sprints that day, I'm not going to do four instead of five because mm-hmm. I know come race day, it all builds, right? And I felt really terrible in marathons before, and I felt really good in marathons before. And there's tons of factors that go into that. But I know the ones I can control is my training. Right. And if I do that right, then I've set myself up for success at least, right. at the very least. And uh, and ultimately, that'll help me along my journey. Well, and I think as as an athlete, and tell me if I got this wrong, though, but it's 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 really, well, first off, we don't hear enough coaches talk about attitude and effort. And I'm a big attitude and effort guy. I, I have, I decided when I, when I f- first started coaching, it, first off, it was very demoralized. Uh, um, it was very depressing for me because all the other coaches I saw were jerks, mm. especially in g- women's gymnastics. Mm. You know everything that's going on with women's gymnastics right now. And there's a bunch of stuff coming out. And I'm, I'm proud to say that my athletes still come to me and talk to me and, and say, you know, you were the best part of my childhood. Mm. And in a sport like gymnastics, systems are so important. Mm-hmm. And the number one things that help my systems are effort and attitude. Mm-hmm. And if you, I put a system in place, it's up to my athletes whether they want to follow that system or not. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I am not a screamer. If you hear me yelling, chances are something really positive happened. Right. If, you, if you see me whispering, someone's getting a butt chewing. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I keep it as quiet as possible. And I put a system together and I I let my athletes know that here's the system. It's been successful. Let's Mm -hmm. put you in it and let's see where we go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I would say 99% of the times my athletes buy into that. Mm. And when they buy into it, they go places they didn't think were possible. One of my, one of my biggest compliments of all time, it was at some silly, it was like a little compulsory meet it was no big deal but i had this coach come up to me that i was really good friends with he goes man your girls he goes my girls compete for me but he goes your girls look like they would die for you Mm -hmm. like not because of how not because they wanted to place in first or anything like that they just wanted to prove that this system works Mm -hmm. and they kind of buy into that and i hate calling them girls because they're 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 warriors, yeah. man. If you've ever seen a gymnastics workout. Oh, it's brutal. It's funny because you talk about teamwork and those things, and you were in team sports. And mm-hmm. I went the exact opposite direction. I was always in individual mm-hmm. sports. But what's the one thing that binded everybody was the suck. Yeah, right. Was yeah. The, was how bad the 90 degree, mm-hmm. degree heat, the 100 degree heat, the having to run, and you weren't even the one talking. Exactly. You right. know what I mean? Especially when we were kids. That was, that was run laps. Mm-hmm. Run, run the whole campus go go and you would go and if he saw you walk in ooh, right. you were in trouble and i always had really bad coaching my whole life and that's why i was so happy when you started coaching my son is i i i take i take ownership of that though that's my that's on me i take extreme ownership in everything i do um by the way that's jocko willick not me but i take extreme ownership that I look at it and say, what did I do 
to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm the same way with my girls. If they do poorly, or my warriors, if they do poorly, I say, okay, what did I do that led to this? Right. Did I, was I a little too laid back last week going into the meet? Did I not prepare them properly? Did I not? I, I go on six, six week arc with my workouts mm-hmm. where they get really hard and then they come down, right? Mm-hmm. Getting in the meet time, they're a little easier. And so was I off mm-hmm. on my percentages? You know, what did I do wrong to put them in this situation where mm-hmm. they were not successful? I never look at the athlete. Mm-hmm. And, or what did I do that I didn't get them in the proper mental state to get them there? Right. And the nice thing is when you do that and you take that ownership of it, it becomes more controllable. Mm-hmm. And you can say, but the great part of that too is you get the wins too. Yeah. You know, uh, so many people, is, coaching is about ego. And I had the chance years and years ago to coach a really good, probably the best athlete I've ever been in the gym with. And her mom came to me and said, do you want to coach her? And I just didn't feel ready. Mm. And so I said, no. And she ended up being coached by my mentor, which was great because I learned from him and I learned all this stuff. But I saw her Mm -hmm. recently and she came up to me and she said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm sorry, this might get emotional. (laughs) (laughs) But she said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, you know, of course. And we're sitting there talking. And she goes, do you remember when my mom asked you if you would coach me? And you said no. I'm like, yeah, I look back on that moment a lot. Like, I look back on my moment as one of my bigger mistakes. Mm -hmm. And she said, I go, but you had a lot of good coaches. He goes, yeah, Jason, but what I needed wasn't technical knowledge. I needed someone that believed in me. Mm -hmm. I needed somebody that was there for me, not for their ego. Because she was made, sure, she wasn't made, but she was asked to do skills that didn't really set her body type. And she ended up having a lot of injuries Mm -hmm. and getting a lot. And she's like, all I really needed was someone to believe in me. Mm -hmm. I needed the belief. And I look back on that now and I take that responsibility too, where I'm like, when I have, I, I love coaching girls that have maybe fallen through the cracks and they're a little older mm-hmm. and maybe some coaches have given up on them in their past. Mm-hmm. And I love coaching those girls mm-hmm. and letting them see what they can do. And they end up getting a college scholarship or they end up, I had a girl win Western nationals on bars yeah. that, you know, a lot of coaches had already given up on her. Like you're never going to be a good bar worker. So that's such a rewarding part of coaching. Yeah. But my whole point of that was coaching systems. And even with running, you have a system in place that gets you ready for that race. Yes. And I think when people are dealing with depression, they don't give enough to that. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever dealt with depression in your life. A lot of athletes have, Mm -hmm. especially when they retire from Mm -hmm. athletics. So, but it was neat hearing how your minds changed as through this running journey that's happened. And your faith is a big part of your life, too. Really big. So I think, um, so you mentioned some things, and you said, you know, sports, there's a big, ego is a big part of sports. Right. I think ego is a big part of life. And Absolutely. Sports and life, in my opinion, intertwine so well that it's really important, I, I believe it's really important for us to understand that what we do with children when they're in their formative ages and growing up and they're playing sports, there's great lessons to be taken from that. So right. the life lessons that you can pull aside and it's not, we're not relating it to a test or to the job interview they'll have at some point, but just understanding like, Hey, we're, we're not going to win every game. Right. 
the umpire is not going to make a good call every time. In fact, they're going to make bad ones, right? But right. does that define our game? It shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. Does your performance in the moment define who you are moving forward? No, it doesn't. It's, that's what happened in the moment. Now, how do, we, how do we learn from it? How you react right. to it is what's going to define you down the road. But just as ego exists in life as it does in sports, that need to have someone believe in you right. isn't just an athlete's need, right? Oh, it's, every, it's yeah. an everybody's need. And I think some powerful words that she shared with you are those that we all should hear at some point is have believe in you. Absolutely. You got this, man. I believe in you. And that doesn't mean you're going to succeed every time. You know, there's crazy statistics about Michael Jordan taking in-game shots, right? And right. he really wasn't that successful at the end of games always, right? Mm-hmm. But he's still seen as one of the most clutch players because he was put in that position to succeed that allowed him eventually to be successful because right. someone believed in him to put him in those spots to end up being successful. A lot of hard work, of course, other things go right. into it. but that Well, and you've never heard anybody say Jordan's a nice guy. No. When you watch The Last Dance, um, which I'm sure you did because yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're a basketball guy, you never heard anybody say, oh, he, I love partying with him. He was a great, he was great, yeah. he was a great guy. No, but every single one of them said, thanks for making me better. Right. Every single one of them. Right. And you could tell. Most of them hate his guts. Right. Which... As a person that has always strived for people to like me because I was a class clown. At the same time, I always wanted that ability Mm -hmm. to not care. Mm. Like, I want to apologize to nobody. (laughs) And I want, I don't care if you like me. You can let, it's your loss, not my loss. Which is a a hard thing to say. Mm. But Jordan got that. And I think a lot of that had to do with his mom, you know, when he didn't make the basketball team. And she was like, great, work harder. Work harder, yeah. She didn't call the the school principal. She didn't call superintendent she didn't call the coach Mm -hmm. she said work harder yeah and that's you know i think that took a big part of making jordan who he's like but another thing that you brought up is i try to do the same thing where i don't put my athletes in a position where they can fail Mm. and not meaning i stack the deck or anything but it's this is what we've accomplished Mm -hmm. and this is what we have yet to accomplish there's no failure in there You know, everybody wants to talk about everybody wants to talk about crazy politic things, and there's a there's gender binary, and failure is the same way. Mm. There is a scale, and I don't think failure ever has to come into Mm -hmm. the equation. Mm. What we've accomplished and what we have yet to accomplish—that's it. And did I try? Did I not even did I make myself better than yesterday? Mm -hmm. But did I try to make that accomplishment? Yeah, is the bottom line. Are you familiar with uh, Growth Mindset? Have you heard of that before? I have, yes. So it's a real neat book. Um, it's been around forever, but it's called Mindset, and mm-hmm. it's uh, written by a, a lady called Carol Dweck. But the, the theory is, or her, you know, what she's putting forth, is that there are two types of people, those that fall into a fixed mindset group and those that fall into a growth mindset group. And I think it applies to what you're talking about, where there cert- certainly will be setbacks right. um, in our lives. There has to be, or you won't grow. And in sports. Yeah. And, I mean... You can look at any sport, an incomplete pass could be viewed as a setback, right? For a quarterback. That's going to happen every game. Yeah. Outs are going to happen in baseball every game. You know, there's going to be mistakes in gymnastics where it's not going to be flawless in every meet. Ever. (laughs) Right? There's going to be something. There is no perfection. Right? So, how our athletes learn to deal with that, how people learn to deal with that. If I get a bad grade on the test, does it mean I'm bad at math? Right. Or does it mean I didn't prepare well for that test or that I still have some more concepts to learn, right? That mm-hmm. that one test doesn't define me. The one game doesn't define me. It's that idea that I'm a lifelong learner. I'm going to continue to grow. And I think right. that feeds back into the concept that if I don't think anyone believes that about me, like my mom tells a story all the time. She grew up thinking she was dumb. She right. was told she was dumb by teachers. 
she never had anyone told tell her you're not dumb evelyn right i believe in you're smart you can learn this she always thought she was eventually she overcame that and became a you know a, a, a kindergarten teacher right for her entire That's career awesome. feeding into other children but to have that mindset right, right. To, no one ever told her and i believe in you you can do this mm-hmm. imagine if they did she lived a wonderful life anyways but imagine how different her childhood would have been if someone said hey evelyn let me spend some time with you i believe in you right you can do this i mean she took a noble a very very noble pursuit but who knows she could have been who knows a nobel prize winner who knows and can, people don't that people don't realize that in herself right? yeah right and it should come from herself but when we're young even now like mm-hmm. It helps when you have someone that says, hey, absolutely, you can do this, right? Because we all are going to have doubts. And someone just nudging us along the way yeah. can help us overcome those doubts to an extent. And me, I hate running, right? Right. Um, I run a lot now. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot. And I have a big journey ahead that's going to culminate in a 56-mile run in South Africa. Um, I've never run longer than 30 miles, right? So that's a big bridge to get, yeah. to cross to get to that 56. But also... It's really the point, too, that's the... Hard part though, twenty six point two. Because that's when everybody the last quits. Bit, yeah, <laughs> that's when marathon actually passed away. Was on the last point two. Right. So that's why marathon's twenty six point two. So that's the only hard part. Just run the point two, and, and then let the run. Yeah, the, yeah. Just stay at the end. That's right. I'll, just I'll wait see you there. Oh, you, <laughs> Yo, you will, because I ain't doing that twenty six. <laughs> I'll see you. No, there. I've always. My dad is a triathlete and a runner, but it's funny that you say that about. Uh, I'll get back to my dad in a second. It's funny you say that about your mom because. I severely dyslexic Mm. and they put me into obviously special ed classes, which helped me. But at the same time, kids are brutal. Mm. They know you're going, and this is their words, not mine, obviously, because I've been through it. They know you're going to the stupid class. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, 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 it's two o'clock, Jason, time to go to the stupid class every day, Mm. every day. And then you throw my ADD on top of that and and all this stuff and then my mom they they got rid of the they lost the funding for Mm -hmm. this dyslexia uh program so then my mom's like you can't cure dyslexia i want the program back and she sues the school district and wins good for her except i didn't switch schools Mm -hmm. those teachers who had to be dragged into testifying all this stuff guess who they took that out on and again, this isn't excuses. This is just the reality of the story. And so I was unathletic. Mm. I was freckle-faced fatty until <laughs> about eighth grade. <laughs> Kids are brutal. And I was in the stupid class and all these other things. And I know now I'm not dumb. Mm. I, I know for a fact I'm not dumb because I put together coaching systems. I put together all these things. And I know I'm actually, when I'm interested in something, I'm on the intelligent side. I know that now. But what was the one thing people gave me positive reinforcement for? Being a class clown. Mm. You're funny. You're funny. You're f- so you got attention for it. I got attention. Right it didn't matter if it was positive or negative, because even some of the teachers thought I was funny. Right. But I was interrupting those classes. And I was interrupting other people's learning. And I was doing these things. So I got punished for it, as I should have. But it was the only positive reinforcement I even had in my mm. life. So then... Later on, obviously, I became a comic because I was funny. I was funny. I was funny. But yeah, who knows where that, where if you put that positive in the right place, mm-hmm. what could happen? And of course, I got funnier from there. And then I learned, I, I taught myself from being a class clown how to write a joke. Right. I didn't know I knew how, 
But then one day I went to a comedy class and I'm like, that's what I do already. Right. Like I already know how to write a joke. And that was from that reinforcement. Mm-hmm. So wherever you give that reinforcement, it's how it's how abuse perpetuates itself mm. because it's it's attention. Yeah. Even though even though you just got, you know, abused, it's attention. Yeah. And so you can't really blame that person for going in that direction and seeking out that attention again because mm. it's the only any kind of attention cuz kids see attention. It's kind of, it reminds me of like your brain doesn't think in do's and don'ts. It only thinks in the positive. Mm. So if someone says don't think of the number 3, right. you think of the number 3. Right. Well, you're getting attention. So then you subconsciously seek out that attention again. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I just kept going for that, going for that, going for that. And until it ruined my whole academic career until mm-hmm. I got to college. And professors were like, get out of the class. Right. If you're going to talk, leave. And then I was responsible for we myself. We don't need you here. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need you here. We already got your tuition. So then, and then it was on me. Well, once it was on me, I was like, oh, well, now I got to do well. Yeah. Because I didn't have anybody micromanage me and I didn't have special ed classes or anything like that. So it, uh, but yeah, it just perpetuates itself over and over and over. And it can through positive or negative energy. Absolutely. And I think people forget that. Mm-hmm. And they need to remember that. But before we run out of time, I want to give a little bit more up about the charity. Absolutely. Yeah. And but before I do that, I just say that I love what you do coaching and the way you shared your story because there are thousands of youth athletes, right? And the percentages don't change. As crazy as the society we live in, yeah. and as crazy as especially this area of DFW and just all the select teams and the things that take place, the competition level gets ratcheted up so much. And I think a lot of that has to do with ego too. It's a whole other podcast yeah. about why kids are playing competitive oh, sports. Oh, I'm going to do a whole podcast age nine on and eight. You can come but, back. <laughs> you can come back. Although your warriors may not be gold medals and gymnasts and Statistically, there's one kid on our team that'll play in right. college. Right. On our baseball team, at 12. One yeah. will have the chance to play in college. The point is we're not making better baseball players or gymnasts. We're trying to make better citizens who can understand how to deal with failure and success Absolutely. in a way that allows them to be productive down the road and hopefully pass that on. So thanks for Well, and they w- I want them to look back in yes. their really hard times if they go to, through depression. Yeah. If they go through anything. For and I sure. want them to be able to look back and gain strength from that. Yeah. Because depression especially is really hard because... It has nothing to do necessarily with what you've done to yourself. Yep. It just it just happens. Well, and speaking of depression, I mean, ath- athletics can be a great release for that, for Absolutely. all the physiological yes. reasons that we know, the dopamine you get, the happy chemicals that are released right. when you go through an, a tough, tough athletic event. And if you are training with somebody, you're forming a bond with somebody through going through those tough times mm-hmm. together that you're close with somebody else. Forever. Right? right. Very close. Wrestlers are together Wrestlers forever. forever. Long distance runners forever. Right. Like yeah. you've, if you've been through, you know, some really tough times with your teammates, those are bonds that don't get broken easily. Right. Um, and that's really important. But when I think about, you know, my journey in long distance running, um, there's a lot of positives that come from it. And a lot of it has to do with you seeing yourself overcome something you didn't think you could before. Right. And speak about systems, the systems I use is I know my rate, my runs, if I'm running 25 miles, for example, for a training run, I know I've got five, five mile sections, right? Right. I can run five miles in my sleep now. Yeah. I've gotten to the yeah. point where I can. So once I get to that first one, I got four left, then right. three. So it's not a 25 mile race. It's a five section race, right? right? And you can use that for the rest and of And I can life. break that down, yeah. right? And if it's going through something tough, hey, listen, I got five weeks to get through this project. Right. It's not a five week project, it's a five section project, yeah. right? Boom. I'm the same way with so diet. So I segment things that yeah. way that help me overcome some of those long things. And before you know it, 
you're at the one section left and then it's like, well, this is downhill from here. Yeah. You just pick what you can do. You pick what you can do and say, I can make it that far. Mm -hmm. And then once you get that far, you say, well, I can do it. My coach used to always say, my wrestling coach, you have one more push up. You always have one more. So, but yeah, let's get into the charity because I don't want to. So, um, and I'll, I don't know how um, best to share the information, but I can provide you with a link and you can figure out a way to incorporate into this. But it's something I've I've been really inspired by um, that I haven't been inspired by something like this previous in my life. And it's an, an organization called Team World Vision. Actually, the organization overall is World Vision. The okay. Team World Vision is the ath- um, extreme athlete part of it, right? Awesome. So they do a bunch of marathons. I've run two marathons with them um, and raised money on behalf. But do they ever do the uh, ultra triathlons too? Or they do. Yeah. So they've got. Have a you bunch ever of, thought about that? I, <laughs> I sink. I don't swim. You well, hate so sharks. I, <laughs> I hate <laughs> sharks, especially <laughs> in South doesn't, Africa. Doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. Let's not get in the water. No sharks. No sharks. Let's not do that. <laughs> Can I tag right there? That's right. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm like Let's do a my, relay. My kids are always like, if we walk a, watch a shark movie and a, someone will get killed by a shark, Tessa always goes, that's why we don't get in the ocean. <laughs> she knows daddy's fear. Well. Right. I only have one and it's being eaten by a shark. Yeah. It's because someone told me once they had a dream that I got eaten by a shark. So I'm like, I'm you not going in the water. It. I got you. Well, there's statistics that say you're way more in danger driving your car than right. being eaten by a shark, but I get it, man. It's, yeah, it's but I've never seen story. a shark eat a car. So <laughs> on land. But yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. It's all good. No, so it's an exciting charity. Um, their mission is drilling, as I mentioned before, wells mm-hmm. for these underserved villages, mostly in Africa, but also elsewhere. We sponsor a little girl. She's in Haiti, right? So that's oh, nice. somewhere they are as well. Um, and we run to raise awareness for the organization, right? Okay. So the mission is to have folks feel inspired to contribute on a monthly basis. It's $39 a month, and okay. you sponsor a child in a village. You get a picture with the, of the child. You have a chance to correspond with them frequently. Um, they are a religious organization, so Christmas, Easter, mm-hmm. those kind of things take place. Um, and you have a chance to really establish a relationship with them. And ultimately, their village is being serviced by World Vision right. to an extent where they're getting health care, education, support, and this clean water because the clean water crisis is a real thing around the world. Absolutely. It's hard for us to really understand right. America as you go to the faucet and turn it on. But elsewhere in the country, or elsewhere in the world, they found that on average, people have to walk six kilometers round trip to get clean water. And not even clean water, just access to water. A lot of time the water is what ends up killing them because of oh. the diseases and the things that are in yeah. it. So it's a ton of stuff that we do that is associated And we get mad that. when Walmart limits us to one package. Right. Right. Well, like, when this? the water filter on the fridge goes out and your water tastes metallic watery. or something. Yeah. yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> my watery ta- yeah. my water tastes too watery. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's and it's fortifying my teeth. Yeah. It makes me mad. I, I want non-fluoride. <laughs> what are we doing? Well, it's just yeah, it, it puts a huge perspective on it. That there's yeah. people that just and for me, I I really I'm so thankful for where we live and I'm thankful for the blessings of this community we live in and the friends we have and the safety we we experience part here in, in McKinney, Texas. Also, I'm wary of my children don't get to see what else goes on in the world. Yeah. So this organization has also given us a chance to have some real conversations about our little girl, Delancia, right? And mm-hmm. what she experiences and what she goes through. And when she writes things back and says, my favorite food is oranges. Right. Well, that's her dessert. That's like her candy is orange. Right, right. Right. They don't have the opportunity and to sometimes go to she doesn't get the one. convenience store to get <laughs> Skittles or whatever right. else, you know? Right. So those are real, and that's a little thing, but those are real lessons to be able to taught. And the cool thing about... What I'll have the chance to do next June is run the race, which is going to be brutal and awesome at the same time. But then we get to do mission work in the villages that World Vision services Mm -hmm. for about two weeks afterwards. So we'll be boots on the ground with these 
children that we've helped to get sponsored. Right. Um, and really see the fruits of that that labor and and, and, and it's in South back. Africa. It is so the so June is their winter, isn't it? It is okay. So it and, won't yeah, be. I mean it won't be scorchingly hot. This is the world's oldest and largest ultra marathon. Really? It's called Comrades. Next year is the hundredth year anniversary of oh, it. Oh, that's awesome! And the best way I can describe it to people is it's like their Tour de France. So okay, the whole entire country gets into that's it. So cool. They come out. There's like you know it's a celebration yeah. the whole nine, and it's a really big deal there. And as that's it should awesome. be, it's a big race. Yeah. Um, but the cause is even more more important. Yeah. Um, I, it's funny, you ask about like, how do I get myself through? Like, I haven't doubted once that I'll be able to do it physically. Like, I feel right. very confident in my ability to prepare. Mm-hmm. I may be overconfident, who knows? But what motivates me is going and being part of the mission to service those children, right? provide the clean water, and get a platform for an organization that does really good. I mean, they've, they've, they've helped millions of children have access to clean water all over the globe, and they're in about 35 countries now where they're doing this. And it's just, it's neat to be plugged into something like that, that again, is just bigger than myself. Because right. that was always my biggest letdown with running, was it felt like it was too much about me. Right. And that's not what I want. Right. Uh, this is a really cool opportunity to, via my running, whatever, right. however good or bad it is, to bring awareness for a great cause and service others around the world. So if they want to go to a website... Where? Yeah. Um, so the web, Team World Vision is the web is Team World Vision. World okay. Vision is the organization. Um, okay. I have a link. I don't know how you publish this, but I can provide you with the link that might be able to be in the notes. Okay. Um, that would be specific to my page. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, mission is to, to yeah. The mission is to raise sixty sponsorships for sixty children. We're at okay. eleven right now, so we've made okay. some great progress. Um, but that's the goal because it's fifty six miles. But they say let's get to sixty kids. That's right. a big goal. Yeah. Um, and it is. Listen, people, it's it's a hard time right now. So forty dollars a month can sound like a lot to some people. It can sound like a reasonable amount to some, and it can sound yeah. like very little to others. So I understand that somewhere along the spectrum. But right. I just, uh, you know, my prayer is that the visibility of this reaches somebody who says, I could help out in that way. And right. I'd be happy to take on That'd a be child. Awesome. Um, That'd be awesome. We go from there. Yeah, and, and you know, some people running is not your thing. So sponsoring the kid exactly is right. just as good. Yeah. So, And but, I promise you it's an organization where you'll feel connected like we feel like our thirty nine dollars is going somewhere because right. we're seeing the fruits of that via the correspondence they send and whatever relationship you can develop with a That's someone awesome. who speaks a different language so far away. Yeah, you know, but we're we're developing that relationship. Well, and it puts us it puts us in a weird mindset, I think, because we forget with everything going on in the country, and it's it's weird because you see it more and more now. You see people being interviewed from lithuania mm. or from venezuela mm-hmm. or from or from the old soviet union right and they're like what are you doing why are you protesting mm. why are you doing these things you don't understand how bad it is right. <laughs> where i come from right I, I came here because of this beautiful thing and I, if there's one thing we can still do as a you know as a nation is help other countries yeah. I mean, there certainly are a lot of fires burning here locally, figuratively and literally, right? right? So I understand there's attention needed in the U.S. And, you know, we, we can volunteer our time certainly elsewhere. Right. This has been a cause that's sp- spoken to me because I think it allows us to take the generous generosity and the blessings we're blessed with and spread it beyond, right? right. So it's a great opportunity well, for water, us to teach. Water is lifeblood. Yeah. If you, don't have, if you don't have clean water. The simplest of things yeah. is such a rarity elsewhere. And there's someone that actually so six kilometers is what nine no it's uh so or is it the other way five kilometers is three miles okay ish. so so okay, we're talking let's about say three the average person miles. walks yeah. what a mile in 13 minutes ish yeah yeah and that if you're in good shape right. so you have to wake up an hour early 
to get water to bathe in that might kill you. Correct. How crazy is that? That's the trouble people face, yeah. That's the crazy. I mean, that's just, it's just nuts. The things we take for granted. That's why you'll see me running around. And you get mad and, and people get mad the when, they, when they can't have their bottled water. That's right. And it's like, just walk over to the tap. Yeah. I tell my kids all the time, they're like, Daddy, can you get me some water? I'm like, you just push on the fridge. What do yeah. you mean, can I get you some water? You got a cup. Right. <laughs> you got Spencer a cup. said the other day to me, he said, hey, Dad, we're out of bottled water. I said, turn the water hose on. That's what I used. That was <laughs> that's my what sports I used drink too. growing yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> turn the water hose. Gatorade. Yeah. You mean hose aid. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> But thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. That was thanks a great show. We, uh, we'll have to come on again. We'll talk about egos and coaching mm. and talk about, because I'm a big advocate. It's actually in my book. My book's not done yet, but there's a whole chapter and it's called Ego Kills. Mm. Because your own ego with people suffering from depression, because they're afraid to ask anybody, they're afraid sure. to talk to anybody, it can kill you. Sure. And so it's actually a band out of Brazil. It's called Ego Kills Talent. But... Mm. Brazil. But I took the ego kills part. Yeah. yeah, it's a heavy metal band from Brazil. It's a fantastic name. For it's it. a great name, and it's a great lesson in coaching because it does kill talent. Yeah, bad. And you've seen it. You've seen bad coaching. I've seen bad coaching, and I think people take for granted on the lower level what people are instilling in those mm. kids for the rest of their life, mm. especially with female athletes. I mean, the average female athlete's done at nine years old. Mm. That's that's you know how many great athletes and. Uh, I'll, we'll end up, we'll end yeah. on this. I promise, Mo. <laughs> He's like, get off! <laughs> what are you doing? But it really, the things you instill at this age, they carry for the rest of their lives. And guess what? Sure. Not everybody is an artist. Not everybody is musical. Not sports were my release. Mm -hmm. It was the only release I had because mm -hmm. I can't draw stick people even, mm -hmm. and I have no musical talent. My wife will tell you every time I sing in the car. My wife tells me don't sing. Yeah, ever. And I tell my wife I don't sing for you. Do I not. sing for me. <laughs> but so it's the a lot of people look down on sports sometimes. You know, muscle heads. You know, all the all the cliches. And I'm like, you know, some kids that's all they have. Mm -hmm. It's their sense of identity. Mm -hmm. Just like an artist, their sense of identity is art. Mm -hmm. And a musician, I had a friend on uh, my other podcast that is a musician, and he's a great musician. And if he didn't have music, he'd mm -hmm. be dead. Mm -hmm. So I, I, we can't belittle anybody's talent. Right. And an athlete, their talent isn't their athletic ability. Their talent is effort and attitude. Mm. And they pass that on mm -hmm. And if they get good coaching when they're young. For sure. And people need to remember that. So, and then they can fall back later on when they have a crisis. Agree or to that. Yep, so. 100%. Oh, also, if you are in crisis and you're having any problems, text HOME, H O M E, to 741 741, all capitals, HOME. Uh, they'll text you back and they'll get you the help you need. But thank you, sir. Thank you My so pleasure. much for Thanks coming for having on. Me on. Last time, Appreciate World it. Vision. World Vision. World Vision. And uh, I will put I will put up the link on the YouTube page and on the Buzzsprout so you guys can look it up. Thanks a lot. Thanks, I'm sir. Jason Powell with the Broken Joker. Good, that was awesome, man.